You're listening to Castrol CarCast on Podcast One. Hey, welcome to Castrol CarCast. This is Matt, the motorator, DeAndre. We're going to be hooking up with uh, with our buddy Goldberg down at the HR Wheels Open House for a special two-part CarCast episode. Uh, but first, let me tell you a little bit about Dodge. The Brotherhood of Muscle is looking for new members, and the only way to join is to get behind the wheel of Dodge's only family of all-wheel drive muscle cars. The Dodge Charger, with up to 300 horsepower and 30 miles per gallon, it's the only muscle car in its class that throw you back in your seat and still get that kind of MPG. The Dodge Challenger is the most affordable V8 in its class. And the Dodge Journey, the most powerful three-row all-wheel drive vehicle in its class. And, of course, the Dodge Durango, which is also the most powerful SUV with all-wheel drive availability in its class. Hurry into your Dodge dealership and start your introduction to the Brotherhood of Muscle. So Goldberg and I headed down to San Diego to the HRE Wheels Open House. What a great event. We appreciate um, those guys for inviting us down there. And uh, uh, Goldberg brought his his uh, Dodge Demon, um, but you need to check this out because we're going to go in a completely different direction now on the build of this car. So you definitely want to tune in for that. And we're also going to check in with Richard Waitis from Magnaflow Exhaust. And of course, with Alan Peltier, the president of HRE Wheels. So uh, stick with us. We're going to do a special two-part episode. So this week and next week, we're going to get you coverage from the HRE Wheels open house. All right, let's get to it. All right, guys. Welcome to CarCast. Uh, Matt, the moderator, DeAndre. We're here with Bill Goldberg. We're at the HRE, open, HRE Wheels Open House. How are you, Bill? I could not be better because <laughs> I am around so much horsepower, I'm giddy. It's a great event. I haven't been down here in a couple of years. And uh, uh, at some point, we're going to have Alan Peltier, the president and uh, head designer, I think, of HRE, sit down with us. Um, so we will uh, we'll get to that at some point, but <laughs> we're down here. We're going to record a couple of shows while we're down here. Um, it's all about convenience for us. It's like, when can we get together? When can we get some mics in front of us? You, know, you just finally <laughs> came down here because it, uh, it had ramped up to the next time I stepped out of my car coming up to L.A., I was going to actually sever your head from your body if you didn't make an effort to come down towards me. And all the cool car culture down here and do a couple episodes. Yeah. We finally got you down here. And, man, look what a wonderful day. I'm looking outside the Michelin man's hugging this little <laughs> kid. and You know, I mean, we got all these. Uh, what an eclectic uh, group of cars out here. Um, it's nice to see a little American muscle. Yeah. Um, you know. Uh, in, in a sea hey, of GTRs. In a sea of GTRs, <laughs> Porsches, and you yeah. know, Ferraris. But, it, hey, man, at the end of the day, it's Southern California, beautiful Saturday. You've got this, not a cloud in the sky. We're 10 minutes from the water, and we're sitting around hundreds of thousands of horsepower. It's oh, my gosh. Awesome. And dollars. Well, that, yeah. <laughs> Probably Just in the front Millions row. and millions and millions of dollars. Yeah. Um, so I invited my buddy David Jusco on the show. David... Uh, Would David have come if you didn't have car trouble? <laughs> yes. No, he was. <laughs> he was planning on it. Uh, but also, I've been talking to him for a while about bringing him on the show. Hello, by the way. Hi, how you doing? <laughs> so he works for a big car manufacturer, and uh, I guess the, the, the way to sort of explain his job, he's been there for over 20 years. He's a, he's a super smart engineer, and... And the cars that we work on and the cars that he has, he brought us Toyota Super Turbo. Everything is just done. Not, like, it's easy to say it's done to the nines because people can throw money at it. But it's done to the nines because of the attention he puts into his cars, mm. right? Every, every little, you know, every hard line is bent to the right Right, perfect degree, and if it's not, he starts over. He probably spends more money on hard lines than he fits in the in the car. <laughs> you know, car so his attention to detail is is so high that uh, we we enjoy noodling on cars, and and um, uh, so I asked him to come in. So his job, uh, I'm sure it's way more complicated, but this is how I explain it to people: is when you take your car in for a service and the dealer can't fix it. They have to go to the manufacturer directly, and he's the guy they call. And he, 
instead of really well, he's the guy. He is the guy. When they say go to the guy, you're you're the yeah, guy. He, so. Yeah, but he doesn't nice. he doesn't like to get too dirty. So his job is to go down there and teach the dealer how to fix it when they don't know how. Huh? And, oh. and if they can't fix it or if it's unfixable, then he reports back to the manufacturer and basically has the re- even the power to, to you know basically say we're going to recall this car or this particular car or if it sits there and it can't be fixed for so long or if it's a lemon car he's he's the guy right no wonder you, no you, wonder you didn't fix something <laughs> no wonder you didn't say <laughs> mention me. the manufacturer he works for yeah. <laughs> i'm not gonna let him i'm not gonna let him talk on the mic but uh uh but that, is that right uh, somewhat, yeah. Basically, when follow the uh, cue cards. When <laughs> when there is a problem, no. when <laughs> when there is a problem, uh, I'll go to the dealer and I'll give them a hand fixing it. I'll, uh, I'll I will get my hands dirty. You know, sometimes you're sitting there watching somebody struggle. You're like, let me do this. So yeah, I'll get you in there. That you're speaking from early morning experience. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're never gonna live this down, by the way. Uh, I'm going to come at you from the top rope, Bill. It's all good, good, man. I only went up there once. So uh, I guess let's get into this a little bit. The guys at HRE, we've been talking to them for a while. They've been so fantastic. They came up to the shop uh, up at Corolla Studios with a beautiful set of the newly re-released 540 wheel, that Mm -hmm. new design. Love it. All polished. Looks great. Load them up on the M3. Get the car detailed, polished up. Uh, so the outside looks good. It looks good. Um, now, we talked about before how I, I seized up the supercharger, blew the supercharger on the thing, cut the belt off, been driving it around naturally aspirated. It, it goes around. So it, we weren't worried about whether the car was going to be drivable or not. Our issue was we just got the new supercharger from Vortec. Last night, we were going to swap the blower, bring it down here, show the car, all per HRE's you know, deal. Mm-hmm. We we're into it. We're getting it all done, and it's one thirty, almost two o'clock in the morning at this point. Car doesn't start. For the life of me, we cannot figure out why the car doesn't start. You put the key in, everything lights up. It's just not starting. Almost like what we were figuring. Almost like the neutral safety switch is broken, or if you, like if you don't push push mm-hmm. in the clutch, mm-hmm. there's some kind of switch yeah, yeah. on the clutch. Like well, maybe it's that. I went home, tried the spare key. I went through this whole. A, a reset key process, nothing. And here we are in the morning. I, I'm getting ready to leave to come back to his house, pick him up at 6 o'clock in the morning to come out here. And and the car looks great. It's all shiny and new, and it looks fantastic. Too bad he didn't own a tow truck. Dead. Yeah, yeah that was a lot of fun. You need, a, you, need, you need to buy a flatbed. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, we hit the key, and um, I've dealt with this before a little bit with the BMWs. It was mm-hmm. acting like the immobilizer wasn't working, which mm-hmm. is, you know, to cut fuel and spark. But we were able to bump start the car. So that's why it wasn't seeming like that problem, like we have a key that's not registered to the car. Uh-huh. But we actually were like two idiots pushing a car down the street and bump starting it. I wish um, I had a video of that. Uh, it was pretty funny, yeah. It was, it was 2 o'clock in the morning down the street yeah. in his neighborhood. And, but that, that's how we got it started to get it home. And then we were, we were trying to uh, – oh, so I got it home. Here's the crazy part. I got it home. Tried the key again, didn't work, went in, got the spare key, it started last night, or two in the morning or whatever. This morning, tried both keys, didn't work. So I don't know if it's that clutch switch or, or something with the keys. I, I, I don't know. And I, I wish somebody knew. Well, I wish somebody knew well, four hours ago, but... <laughs> I, I know people at BMW, so... <laughs> <laughs> Call your counterparts over at, over at BMW and ask them what is going on. And, you know, it's... It, before I went to bed at 2.30 last night, I was watching YouTube videos on this thing, and the guy... Because one guy was like, it's the key. So I tried the spare key, and it started us like, problem solved. Right, and then I was like, I'm gonna go to bed. Three hours. I'm gonna get back uh, up yeah, and yeah, come yeah, out yeah. here. <laughs> so, but so you, you, this is car guy shit. So you feel my pain. You exactly. get it. Mm-hmm. I feel, but I get the rag on you because it's usually me. <laughs> well, you're over the whole thing too. Is as we're taking it apart and we're finding like, oh wow, there's a it's an Allen key, and there's a Torx head broken off inside, like the tool broken off inside. The, uh, the the bolt. So I had to use hardened bits and drill all that stuff out and take the bracket Fun off. Stuff. Found brackets broken. 
are behind there. How uh, dare we had, you, we had, Matthew? Okay. We had, we had so, first of all, I didn't install that supercharger. And the part that Full I disclosure. The, the part that we're glazing over is this. No, we didn't get the supercharger installed. We were still going to run it down here with yeah. the belt cut off with no supercharger. If you open the hood, there's a big air to water intercooler <laughs> with just an air filter stuck on the side of it, just just fucking True taped on guys. there, just taped on there, <laughs> oh, just so Christ. we could get it running. So we went from let's show the blower to no, let's don't even to, open the no, hood. We're not even open. And now we can't even get the car down here. So. Any of this? <laughs> I don't know if I could have done it. I, I'm. I. You just reminded me. I, I'm no. I'm not opening the hood of the demon. I didn't clean under there. Oh, okay, but it ran here. and It's <laughs> fine. It, you know, we all have our problems. You know. Um, I'm. I'm super disappointed and frustrated because we wanted to be able to show the car down here. They had a nice spot set up, and it's the new wheels that they just released a week ago, and and whatnot. Now we we did the photo shooting with it when they came up, so it's fine. And I think we're going to change the color of the wheel again a little bit hmm. and then um, and then do another photo shoot so we get a lot more out of it. And hopefully us talking about it here will make you go out and buy a set of HRA wheels. Somebody should buy a set of HRA I'm wheels because you, man, I feel like we owe them. Uh, well, the publicity, hopefully, that they're getting off of the Demon because I, as I posted a number of photos of that car over the past two weeks – uh, from Mike Musto to everybody else in the world who's got a demon and the Hellcat issues, um, it's it it definitely solves a problem for these guys. And, yeah. Um, it it's it's not the cheapest way to go by any stretch of the imagination, but you're paying paying for quality. And um, the look on the car, I think, is second to none right now compared to the other options out there. And I don't even care if other options were available. I I, I think that's a beautiful look. So. All right, so we're talking about the demon. Let's get into this. <laughs> Let's Here get into go. this a little bit. Project Jackhammer okay. is the F eight green demon that you have. We've we've we you know getting people up to speed. You've got two demons. You ordered them. It worked out that you somehow you got on the list for two. Worked out great. You have the black one uh, that you you basically put away on the shelf, keeping it all nice and clean. The green one was the one you were going to turn into a project. You were going to modify, and you were going to square up all four corners, turn it into the baddest road race demon ever, probably the only one ever. Yes, and there's a reason for that. Probably the only one ever. Um, you know, at the end of the day, we we as car guys have reasons for what we do. Um, I just wanted to be different. I wanted to do something cool. I wanted to do it just because I fucking wanted to do it. Yeah. Period. End of story. But the restrictions that I have on the final product because of me not wanting to cut up the car or bastardize any of the engineering that they've come up with, um, I'm, I'm fighting it. I'm fighting it, and, and at the end of the day, I am. I'm bastardizing all the hard work that these guys have put towards building a car that is as monumental as that demon is. And as, as opposed to changing it... Um, I'm going to accentuate it. I'm going to turn that thing into the coolest rat fink looking freaking 2018 demon with big monster slicks on the back. And I'm going to make it do yeah. what it's supposed to do, but a little more, a little better. So, therefore, what I am going to do is it's still Project Jackhammer, but the road racing portion that I desired is going to be filled by the 2017 Hellcat yeah. Challenger that I was going to sell. At the end of the day, it makes sense. Um, the, uh, you know, If I wanted to try to get the most out of that car, I'd, I'd uh, you know, do all the wheeling and dealing and take it to a, an auction and you know, get X amount for it. And At the end of the day, it's, it, it, it's not that much for that car. You can go and buy that car new off a of showroom floor now for sixty grand. Yeah. You know? um, so as I look at that car sitting next to the Demons, it's an inferior car. It's a skinny body car. Well, that's easily fixed. Yeah. Okay, so now, as opposed to going into my garage and looking at a car that's inferior compared to the other ones that I have, well, Richard from Magnaflow has already taken care of the fact that uh, we got the front splitter, we got the rear spoiler, we got uh, the fender flares already on the way to make the 16... Hellcat skinny tire car, a freaking wide body car. Yeah, and I'm gonna drop it down, and I'm gonna I'm gonna cut it up, and I'm gonna do everything that I can to make that the best road course car possible with no reservations. 
I'm not doing it because I'm I'm scared and I'm backed out of the demon thing. I'm doing it because it's smart. You know, I think it's smart. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I wanted to do the demon to the gills, but I was restricted by bolt-on parts. And that's, that's not the way to look at a project. I, didn't want, I don't want to fall short in any way, shape, or form by keeping it true to the demon technology and the style, everything that they did to the car. I just it, I felt bad about it. The more you dug into that project, and as we talked about it, um, I think we all started to realize all the unique things that were put in the to the demon to make it a demon. It I'm does turning have, them off. Yeah, and and what turned out is like it needed new uh, shock valving and it needed springs and it needed new brakes because the Hellcat's got the bigger brakes, the demon's got smaller brakes to fit the drag race wheels, all of that stuff. So you were you were making it into the ultimate road race car, but it wasn't as easy as just like let's put let's square up the four wheels and tires exactly, and, and, and at and the end swap of the day, out some sway bars. Look and we're how good. heavy the car is, you know. Yeah. So if I'm going to turn it into road course car, there's only so much you can do performance wise, whether it be handling or whether it be power, um, to a forty six hundred pound car. Period. End of story. So if I want it to do what I want it to do, I got to lighten the car up. And I'm not going to take stuff out of that deal. Yeah. I'm not going to. I'm not going to strip it. You know, it's it's funny because what you're talking about, it's all kind of in the same family. I don't mean literally like yeah. in the same family, but uh, if you sold the Hellcat, you were just going to put that money into the Demon anyway. Exactly. So, and and the parts that you're going to put on the Demon will basically work on the Hellcat. But so the might, parts, might as well get two cool cars out exactly, of it. Exactly. But the parts that I was going to put on the Demon still fall short way short performance wise to where i wanted that car to be i don't want i didn't want just what i could get out of it i want the ultimate road race car so so it wouldn't have been the ultimate road race car it would would have been a road race demon exactly which is not exactly the same thing it's not where i want to be yeah you know it would have been even easier to just take the drivetrain just the engine trans and stuff out of the demon and stick it in a Hellcat and call it done, then try to do all the other shit. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And his, and hey, he'll get Mark Warmer to do it. <laughs> we're all car guys, right? And that's why I wanted to tell this story here because people need to hear this because they go through it all the time, right? And there's nothing wrong with changing right in the middle of the project. It, there, you do what you want to do. It's my fucking car. Period. End of story. So I can do what I want. Now, at the end of the day, do you, you, you weigh your options and you look at what's smart and what's not smart. You look at what's attainable and what's not attainable. And if I couldn't attain the, the ultimate road course car, then I don't want to do it. And so now I'm going to go for the ultimate road course car and the Hellcat Challenger that I have no issues cutting up whatsoever. So I think and, it's and the then, smart thing. And then the Demon is going to get some modifications. Absolutely. But you're just taking its drag racing routes and turning it up to 11 now. That's all So I'm now doing. you're going to get two badass cars. Instead of one, you're going to have the road race car. You're going to have the drag race car. And, and uh, it's better for everyone. Sponsors, me. I mean, ultimately, you want to make yourself happy. But you definitely want to satiate your sponsors along the way. And, and and I think I'm giving them two pro- two cool projects as opposed to one. All you lost was one more garage space at your house. Oh, God. <laughs> Kill me now. Call them both 110% cars. <laughs> exactly. Because you know, you're sitting there at 100, and now just take that extra 10%. Yeah. You know? Why not? Yeah. You know? And that's, what we're, that's why we're in this, to yeah. have fun. And when I look at a car... And, I, and I'm kind of indifferent about it to know at the end of the project that when I look at that car, I'm going to be jazzed to the gills, man. And I'm, gonna be, I'm so excited to do this car. That's what we should be feeling when we're in this business. And, you know, that's why we're telling the story here because a lot of people go through it. Yeah. Right, wrong, or indifferent. It, what you do to your car is your own decision. And... <laughs> <laughs> Richard Wade is just texting you. Yeah, tell him we're do- text him back. Tell him we're doing a podcast. Tell him to get his ass in here, and uh, and we'll and uh, we'll uh, we'll put him on there as well. All right, guys, quick break so we can talk about Dodge. Summer is almost here, so hurry into your Dodge dealership today and get deals on the only family of all-wheel drive muscle cars. The Dodge Charger, you can own the road and the pump with up to 300 horsepower and 30 miles per gallon. The Dodge Challenger, take the streets by storm with the most affordable V8 in its class. 
the Dodge Journey, the most powerful three-row all-wheel drive vehicle in its class. And of course, the Dodge Durango. Tear through spring showers with the most powerful SUV with all-wheel drive availability in its class. The rides of summer are here. So visit your Dodge dealer and join the Brotherhood of Muscle today. So, you know, and, and ultimately in the decision to do the Jack Project Jackhammer, I mean, let's be honest. They, they only made 3,300 of those cars. Yeah. You know, so you have to look at the collectability of the car. I mean, obviously that's not first and foremost on my list because I got number 37 and I'm driving the dog shit out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's have fun, you know. But that's why, you know, number 1181 sitting in, in the garage. 1181? So you have 37 and 1181. Not even close. It's pretty good. Yeah, yeah it's pretty good. Yeah. And so, but Dave how has. many? How, so there may 3,300, and you and I talked earlier, and you were mm-hmm. talking about your Super. How many of those things were made? Oh, there's very limited production. I think in my year there was uh, 2,883, I think, <laughs> of all you know turbo and non-turbo and six speeds and stuff. And That's so you, ridiculous. Yeah, and you think about. Yeah, well, that's why also the car's pretty iconic. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, for overall, the, the production numbers were very low. But you look at, like, an old GT350 or something, and someone would say, oh, there's, they only made 30,000 of these. They only made 280,000 of these Mustangs of this type of body or anything like that. And you don't know what's going to become down the road, what's actually going to become a, uh, you know, a collectible car or whatever. But you know, a lot of the cars now are getting pretty rare of how many they're building. No question, especially yeah. if you have like six million bucks, you can you can just have a one of one. Right. Go yeah, to Bugatti. Go to some. You know, it's crazy how with all the money in the world, you can just have a one of one. We we talk about all the time, like in the collector car world, what makes them special, and it's the the limited numbers or how rare it is, and then the story. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're if you're buying something like some sort of special race car or mm-hmm. something like that, it's really all about the story. Absolutely, uh, and it's certainly anything that went to Lamar is 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 money that's just that's no, just money no doubt you know but it comes down to those production numbers and now a lot of manufacturers which this part i do love a lot of people say hey they're making a four gt you're never going to get one you gotta get on the list i'm cool with that mm-hmm. i'm cool with only making a few of those and 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 even when uh <clears throat> aston martin or ferrari or, or or porsche or any of these guys come out with uh a, a, a more special version of one of their cars you know, we see it with um, with Lamborghini all as well, mm-hmm. Aventador and Aventador S, and then mm-hmm. you know, just and then there's only a handful of these that they're going to do. You just wonder down the road what the market's going to be like. You wonder how cars like that are going to be resold, the one of ones, and then you know, with cars being taken off the road and going to autonomy, you just wonder in yeah. 15 years what's going to happen to those one of one cars. And well, mm, you know, there, there, interesting. Are, there are new cars. That we're seeing that as soon as you buy it, it's worth more money. Like the Ford GT is an example. Mm-hmm. Now, again, if you play by the rules, yeah, you know, if you don't Cena the thing, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we developed a new term. Yeah, in the car world, if you Cena it, you're if you done. Cena it, you're done. You know, but if you play by the rules, if you buy it and then in two years you want to sell it, that's fine. But you're gonna you're gonna make money on mm-hmm. that. You know, our. our buddy John or Ken Lingenfelter love that guy when Ferrari calls him and says congratulations we're going to take 1.5 million dollars of your money cuz you're going to get a new law Ferrari he's like sweet I can't he's like you're like you want this <laughs> he's like I can't believe I'm on the list he my came. brother's the same way yeah and that's and right your brother it's really you know. cool you know yeah. um, those are what 3 4 million now I don't know man I that's the, I, that's not my that's not the playground I live in yeah um <laughs> But yeah, I mean that must be pretty wild to be in that position to be able to take advantage of that and get a new one every you know, year because it's they, a limited limited group. And and Ferrari, for example, tries to select people that will keep it and have multiple cars. I haven't and heard of people selling Ferraris, you know, right after they buy them. No, well there was the um, there was the uh, Shark Tank guy. I forgot his name. Uh, Did he, he wreck his or something? No, he somebody? sold one of his, and they punished him by making him buy like like. Two Cali- Ferrari Californias. <laughs> that's, that's how they do it. Yeah, that's oh how they punish God. you. It's funny because um, uh, punish S- me, please. Sammy Hagar as well. Sammy Hagar has a La Ferrari, and uh, he's a longtime customer, and Ferrari loves him, but he wasn't on the list 
for the law of Ferrari. Uh, somebody else was, and he said, can I... The guy's like, I'll sell you my slot. Mm-hmm. But he went to Ferrari and got permission and Smart. said, you know, where are you guys cool with this? Hell yeah. It's the only and logical f- thing to and, do. And Ferrari said, we're cool with this. You got to buy a California. So... How, how does that work? They're like going through. They're going through the mail, and is it coupons? This and that. <laughs> so goes, hey, hon, did uh, did you buy a Ferrari? <laughs> At three of them. <laughs> I only wanted the one, and I had to buy the others. It's a. It was like a bogo deal. Now we gotta have kids. <laughs> yeah, and I, you know, I think he, you know, whatever the rules were, he bought the car, and then he just commissioned it to the dealer, and was like never titled or something mm. like that. They're they're fine with that on on some cars, right? And but, but then Ferrari's like, well, congratulations, you're on the slot. And he flew to Italy and ordered it. And he was looking at the sea of cars and the colors and the silvers and the reds and stuff. And I believe Sammy was walking down one of the hallways at Ferrari headquarters and saw a bunch of old photos of cars in the past. And he saw one done in kind of a cream color. And I don't even know what it was, but it was something from years and years ago. And he's like, that's cool. He's like, yeah, that's very rare. We never really did anything like that. And he goes, have you ever made a color, car like that? That color? He's like, no. I'd have to even look up the code. He's like, all right, I want that. <laughs> See, that's perfect. Like, they send you some car that nobody else wants, and then that becomes the $25 million car. Exactly. Because that's yeah. the only one. Yeah. <laughs> and then you choose the color that no one has. That's yeah. right. It's because he ended up picking the color that nobody else went uh, for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't know the market of brown Ferraris is, but you know, eventually it might go up. <laughs> Well, I, it's, I thought they banned brown cars. <laughs> it's it's a cream color, which I thought was great. Um, I think he did cream with like kind of a cream interior with 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 brown stitching or piping or something. But I really thought that cream with with like a baseball glove interior or like a like a brown like a cinnamon interior would have looked would have looked really cool. But I think he went like cream cream. He had it at uh, at Monterey at. Um, at uh, the quail like two years ago. Yeah. What's the coolest car you've seen out here so far? We really didn't get a chance to walk it yet. You haven't uh, walked there's it? A green, there's a green there's team, a green team, team out front. <laughs> so you've now just now been in the front door. Matt's head. <laughs> <laughs> I can't breathe. <laughs> uh, we haven't done a lap yet, like we said, because the car broke and we were an hour and a half late. And and I I Ubered to Lakewood to pick him up. And that's cool. I've only it, drank seven pots of coffee <laughs> prepping for this. What's the coolest thing you've seen so far walking around? Green Demon. <laughs> What's the second coolest thing you've seen? A red, de- a red the demon. The other side of the Green Demon. <laughs> Another demon. Uh, you know, man, there's there's just some badass cars here. Period. Um, I um, I like. Like I said, how it's so eclectic. There's obviously a lot of imports here. Um, but at the end of the day, like me looking at a low rider, I can appreciate everything that everybody has and would love and put time into. Doesn't mean that I'm going to drive it. But, um, it, man, it, there's from the GTRs to the Ferraris to the McLaren to the Port, there's some beautiful Porsches out in the back. But, you know, the coolest car I saw was the, were the uh, early 60s Corvettes. The, yeah. The road racing cars. Absolutely. I mean, There's go cr- figure. Right next to your car is this crazy supercar, that Aria. Yeah, I, I've um, never seen it. Before. I think I saw it at uh, LA Auto Show. They had the, sort of the display with the mm-hmm. one thing. And I believe HRE is doing the wheels for it, mm-hmm. and they're carbon fiber or, or mostly carbon fiber. Yeah, um, I need to look at the car. It's, uh, it's really cool. It's, it's pretty. I couldn't um, fit in it, but, you know, <laughs> it kind of looks like a Ford GT. Um, also, the cars that are outside the show, mm-hmm. all the spectators, that's a whole other car show. It's awesome. we, we parked way down the street. And yeah. Walking right up was... It's amazing. Wait till you get around this place. It's, it's, uh, and, and, you know, like I said, 90% of them are tuners, uh, import cars. And then you look way in the back, there's the Dodge representation. So <laughs> my job here at our HRE now is to bring us up to the front. Yeah. Bit. Well, your car's up front. You're trying to get the other crew up here. I'm trying. I'm trying, but it's it's a hey. It's a, the car world is a wonderful place. You got people with so many different tastes and um, desires. At the end of the day, for their dream car, and you know, you step out of your car and you start talking, and everybody everybody's the same. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out what's what's next. I got to figure out this key issue, and then uh, oh, my guys told me that my Alfa Romeo is is they're like your Alfa Romeo is done, and I said. 
great. They're like, you want to come and get it? It's like, no. I want you to drive it for like five days. Like five days I want you to drive it. It's like, I don't care about the miles. I just want it sorted. I don't want to take a $100 Uber ride to Irvine to pick it up and go around the block and go, this thing drives like shit. Right? Like, just get it sorted. How much time have we wasted in our lives (laughs) doing this stuff? Waiting on a car, taking a ride here to pick this up. Yeah. Going out in your car, having the tire blow, having to get a tow truck, going back home, getting another car. I mean, my God almighty. And then but you think it's about, all been fun. And then the money. <laughs> I didn't even want to go there. Yeah, but speaking of money, how much are the heads for my, uh, yeah. Yeah, how's the lawman? The lawman, um, the lawman's doing well. Marcus is up and uh, uh, he went up to Carlisle and looking for some parts. And, you know, at the end of the day, we're trying to figure out what to do. Uh, head-wise, because we got one pretty damaged head on that thing. and um, The new heads, performance-wise, are far superior, obviously. So it looks as if we're going to probably buy a set of NOS heads for the thing, and I'm going to mortgage part of my house to attain them. But they deserve to be on that car. I mean, the... the you're the one who wanted only one, one of one. Hey, there's only <laughs> one way to go with it, and I'm, and I'm, not, I'm not sacrificing... Anything, uh, nothing. There's only one way to go. That's so. a, that's a 429 uh, camera, isn't it? Yes, sir. That's a badass engine. Yeah, 850 miles on it. Wow. It's. Uh, yeah, but those aren't easy miles. No, they're not. <laughs> those are Especially not the miles. last five. Uh, so how bad is a head? What what got damaged? It's, Kiss the valve. Yeah. To say, remember he brought that. I saw the piston mm, picture. Piston yeah. in, yeah. Right. Yeah, and it was it was cracked. It's evidently, and it's not the wrong salvageable. It, it, it sounds like we had the wrong cam in there. when it was restored. They had the wrong cam in there, so it kissed all the kissed all. Yeah. yeah, it bent all the valves. Yeah. Now here's the here's the tough part. I mean, it's an honor and it's a little bit of a burden in that you've committed to this car, and on some level, you have a responsibility to do it right. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 sad if this is. This sounds weird, but it's sad when somebody doesn't have the means to do it right. If you don't and you really love the car, find a way or sell it to the right person yeah. or, or, or team up with somebody and make a project out of it. Do it a charity. Like, there's a way to do it right, and you're doing it the right way. So, Well, there, thank you. I mean, as we sit here and talk and where we are amongst car guys, and this is uh, – I take it very seriously, and I have a huge responsibility with that car, and I ain't cutting any freaking corners, period, end of story. I'm not buying used heads, used 429s heads, and put them on there and and figure out that, you know, they were they were run hard and something's got a crack here. It's, I'm not doing it. So we're finding the best of the best, and that's what's going on in that car. I, I like the amount of, uh, first of all, you found the right guy with Marcus Angel. No question. And the amount of research he's doing to get this right and he's 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 calling people and and it's a lot of this i wish you could just call people and go hey i got this car i know you were involved long ago but it's a lot of like pretending you're somebody else kind of thing it's just weird because i it's adam kroll and i were talking about this other day there's another car he's trying to buy It's it's an old Datsun race car and these these old guys that have owned these cars for a long time they do this move. They're like, I'm thinking about selling it. Okay. What that means now is I'm ready to start being courted. Mm-hmm. I want to be courted. Like, there's, there's a car like the, the Triumph TR6, the Paul Newman Championship car. It took us a, a year, maybe a year and a half to buy that car. And that guy flew out to L.A. And we went to Beverly Hills for, you know, an $800 steak dinner with like 10 people. And, and it was like – it was – a. It, there was a courting process. There was a courting process. And the, by the way, the price never changed from day one to a year and a half later. We're like, I got, how much do you I want? I got guys spending the night in the back of car shows in the back rooms to be there the first thing in the morning to see a guy on a specific car in the last year. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's out there, and it's... And look, Marcus went and saw it, and yeah, I mean, you know, hey, at the end of the day, uh, yeah. 
they're not all need like to be that. Transparent. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're not all like that. Like, we have, there's one of the Steve Millen race cars we had. There was eight chassis made by Clayton Cunningham. They were all uh, uh, six cylinder turbo cars, but number eight was the naturally aspirated V8 car. Basically, has like an Infinity Q, Q45 engine in it. That's the one that Adam has. And so now we've tracked down, of course, Steve Millen that we know, he's got his, like, Lamar t- turbo car, the big money car, and we tracked down a couple of the other owners, and we were exchanging emails and all sort of saying, hey, if anyone's going to buy and sell, let us know, just so we can all agree on price, That's so we don't hurt go. the market That's on the, the eight cars. Yeah. And so Instead we sort of, of teamed up. Other. Yeah, we all sort of teamed up and said... You know, we feel like chassis number five is worth this, and chassis number eight is worth this. Because They're all of more history. valuable and if, you, if you work as a team. Yeah. At the end of the day. So, what we decided was, you know, other than like the Millen car, which has the Le Mans and stuff, you know, the cars were like, don't ask a million dollars for a car that's not worth a million, but don't sell it for two hundred thousand because the rest of us will help campaign for you and make sure you get what it's worth, the five hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. You know, so everybody's getting a fair price, and. uh uh, maybe that doesn't work in the world of one of one. It works in the world of one of eight. <laughs> so you could get the other guys well, on you board. Know, there were a number of those uh, of the the not support cars, the cars that the service men and women were driving over there while the lawman was, you know, raising eyebrows. I think there were eight Mach ones or something like that, or six. Yeah. And Are you trying to get those too? That'd be kind of cool. Have a parade of, there of the car. Be, there might be. Quite <laughs> looking at the ceiling. <laughs> it's funny because it's white and it's blue. And here at the end, of, here's the deal. See, here's the deal with me. I got the one. I got the only one. Yeah. So everybody else with all the other ones, I mean, they should kind of follow lead as opposed to maybe trying to fight me because I got the one. But let's be a team at the end of the day because. Um, I don't care about the I, – I do care about the value of the car. Everybody does. If they say they don't, they're lying. But to me, the importance of the of the history of the car and what it means to America and the servicemen and women are, is much more valuable than the monetary price that's put on the car. So they're, be, they're, they're more valuable historically – they're more historically significant if they're together and they're feeding off of each other. Hell, there's a Lawman Pinto out there. I want it. You got the Lawman Pinto? <laughs> there you find go. me. I was just I'm, I'm going to go build one right now. <laughs> Gosh. Yeah. Uh, I only want it because my wife's first car was a Pinto, and it, I, I need the Lawman Pinto. I need to find some four-star general to drive my Alfa Romeo around so I can increase the value because I've got – We can do that. I've I can, got I can $20,000 dollars into a car that's worth – Ten five, <laughs> join the club. You own the only uh, alpha that Bill was ever stuffed into. <laughs> oh God, or pour, poured into. No, no, it's funny because I was talking about um, on the way here. I was like, the one thing I wanted to do is, is I wanted to tie the chassis together, you know, like some subframe connectors. And apparently, there's a kit that used to be made. I have it. It's a four-point chassis brace that goes underneath this car, mm-hmm. and the guys working on it, they're like, for the life of us, we cannot get it to work. They, I guess the car is twisted or something. But if you picture an Alfa Romeo convertible, like a lot of convertibles, if you put the top down and open both doors, I don't know about me, but if you stood in the middle, that car would fold in half. Yeah. Right? So I'm thinking, hey, man, how about we make this basically a full-frame car? Let's weld some cell brake connectors. So... The kit that we have doesn't fit, so I'm going to, I don't know, I'm going to get it up on the lift, try to get it as straight as I can, and just weld up some of my own self-frame connectors. Well, we should probably go take a look at it and see like, how off it is. <laughs> you know, first is like, you know, are we talking like two inches? Because that is probably the wrong part. <laughs> Will you video that entire process, please? <laughs> well, we're definitely going to be talking about it here. But first, you'd have to distract me from like pointing out all the other stuff on the car. No, I want that on video. <laughs> That's what I want on video. Every, every time I bring up the Alfa Romeo, and somebody says to me, if it's not leaking, it's empty. It's empty. It's, it's out of empty, oil or yeah. it's out of everything. Because everything on that thing. The other part that I just don't get is I get it's a little tiny car. It's lightweight. But it only holds like two quarts of transmission fluid. So if you're down a little bit, you're just grinding gears because there's not enough fluid in it. Well, the transmission's the size of a coffee cup. So, I mean, <laughs> what do you expect? And the rear diff is the same way. And every seal on that thing just is just bloated with fluid, and it's just dripping everywhere. It's just I got cars like that. 
<laughs> so the guy's like, do you want us to redo all the seals? I was like, just try to tighten all the bolts first. <laughs> just tighten all the bolts first to see if that solves the problem. Oh Hit it with some brake cleaner, tighten all the bolts. If not, then yeah, we got to go back and do all the, all the gaskets and everything. Okay, guys, thank you uh, for tuning in for that. We're going to check in with our guys with Evans, but don't miss next week. We're going to have Richard Waiters from MagnaFlow and Alan Pelletier from HRE Wheels. First of all, I want to say thank you to everybody that wrote in questions for our guy, from our friends over at Evans Waterless Engine Coolant. Now, we've got, uh, we've got Pete Stoll from, from Evans on the phone now. And, uh, uh, Pete, thanks for joining us. We're going to go through a couple of these questions, and hopefully you can answer them. Um, but first, just give us a quick overview about exactly what, uh, what Evans Waterless Engine Coolant is. Okay, well, uh, Evans Coolant is a blend of glycols without the water. Uh, water has been used for over 100 years as an engine coolant, not just because it's cheap and readily available, but because it has superior thermal conductivity as long as it remains liquid. Nothing is as good at transferring heat as water, but hardly anything is as bad at transferring heat as vaporized water or steam. Water-based coolant's low boiling point is too close to the operating temperature of an engine, therefore is subject to forming vapor, building pressure, losing control, and boiling over. In contrast, Evans' waterless coolant has a high boiling point of 375 degrees, which means that Evans will not turn to vapor, build pressure, or boil over. Evans remains liquid, ensuring constant liquid-to-metal contact, and continues to transfer heat away from the metal past the failure point of water-based coolant. In addition, Evans has superior protection against corrosion and electrolysis, which makes it a good choice for car collectors, special interest vehicles, storage and museums, and those sorts of things. Okay, great. So I think we have a few questions. What do you got there, Chris? All right. The first question is... Can I use Evans in an air-to-water intercooler for a turbo or supercharger application like in a Jaguar F-Type supercharged or Corvette ZL1? Now, I like this question a lot because so many uh, uh, new cars are doing air-to-water intercoolers, uh, especially some of the big high-horsepower supercharged cars we've been driven. Like we just wrote, we just drove the Cadillac CTS-V uh, supercharged engine, Camaro ZL1 um, uh, what, what's your thoughts, guys, on uh, on using waterless your product in the air to water intercooler versus the conventional coolant system? Well, that is a question we get fairly often. It's a good question. Uh, the answer is that these, these intercoolers don't usually see as high of a fluid temperature as the engine radiator does. Um, at temperatures below its boiling point, water is still the best in terms of straight heat transfer. Um, Evans Wireless Coolant may or may not improve performance in this kind of system because we are more well-suited to situations where the water is above its boiling point. Um, the coolant can offer improved corrosion protection for the components in the intercooler system, won't necessarily always result in either lower fluid temperature in that system or a reduction in air intake temp either. So it's, it's a little bit of an area where it's not necessarily what the product is, was designed for or is ideal for can work in some instances uh, and sometimes subject to a case-by-case basis depending upon the, the temp that the fluid is seeing or what your potential problem might be with the system. Right. Okay. I, I don't know if it was necessarily a problem that people were having. I think the question was more about can they get improved performance. If you're going to start, let's say, swapping your, uh, your supercharger pulley on, on, one of the, on your Cadillac, to get a little more boost and you're generating a little more uh, uh, heat, would would this product be beneficial or not? And it sounds like uh, maybe not at first, but if you started generating more and more heat, that's when this <coughs> when this starts to come into effect. That that's true. That's true. And in in a situation where you start to maximize the capability of the intercooler, changing to a different fluid with different characteristics may help at that point. That's correct. Okay. What else you got, Chris? All right, next question. Is Evans coolant safe for pets if I spill it in my garage? <laughs> People making messes all the time. I'm just kind of curious. Uh, what's, what's, it, what's it made out of? Should, 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 uh, should Spot and Phyto stay away? Well, Evans waterless coolants do contain ethylene glycol. So it has some similarity to regular antifreeze in that regard. 
it should be treated, handled, and recycled similarly to regular antifreeze. Um, there is a, a somewhat of a reduced toxicity as compared to regular antifreeze because of the chemistry of our product, but it is not non-toxic, and you should still try to contain spills and not let anybody try to drink it. All right, good to know. All right. Uh, <laughs> Keep it Very away from pets. All right, next question. Can Evans be mixed with my current water or coolant? Well, Evans is designed to work as a standalone coolant. It is designed to completely replace original equipment type coolants, all which are all water-based. It is designed to work all by itself. Water is a contaminant. Other chemistry, other corrosion materials, and other products may interfere. Uh, so generally speaking, you do need to install the Evans all by itself, uh, completely purge and empty the system beforehand. I will say, however, that water can be added in an emergency to help you get home until you can, you know, repair the situation and, and, and rectify the, uh, the problem. So uh, generally speaking, you want to avoid adding anything else to it. So, but here's the question is when most people, let's say if they're going to switch out their current car to, to Evans waterless, waterless coolant, um, flushing the radiator or just uh, draining the radiator is pretty simple, but let's say there's still some in the block. Uh, is, is that fine, or, or do you recommend – is it necessary to flush out the system and replace yours, or, or can you just drain the radiator and start from there? It is necessary to empty the entire system to within about 2 to 3%, and uh, all, all the potential ways to do that can't be covered in this call – uh, we do have general guidelines on the website, or you can always call our tech line for information on doing a particular installation. But to answer your question, it does need to be completely replaced, whatever that takes to do that. Okay. Yeah, that's good to know then. All right, Chris. All right. Thanks, Pete. Here's another one. I have a race car with no radiator fan, and I want to cut a few degrees out of my engine. Can Evans Coolant reduce my temps, or does it just, or does it just have a higher boiling point? Well, it, it does have a higher boiling point, which means that it will stay liquid under situations where that water might be starting to fail due to boiling. Um, I'd be interested to know why the race car doesn't have a fan or uh, on the radiator. Cause Come the on, now, it weighs too much. <laughs> well, okay, but you need the airflow. You still need the airflow to get the heat out of the coolant in the radiator. It is designed to be a heat exchanger and make use of airflow to complete the cycle, so to say. Um, the coolant can help you tolerate situations where you run hotter than water is capable of, but changing in this kind of a scenario won't necessarily guarantee lower coolant temperature. Right. Matter of fact, it would probably go up. Yeah, you know, there's there's a handful of, of race cars that we run as well, and, and, you know, the airflow is racing the car. You know, uh, there's not a lot of sitting in pit lane and, you know, with, with a fan going on because it's just dragging the motor and whatnot, so... That's why a lot of these cars, like, we get them up to temp, but then you got to race them or shut them down, you know. So it's interesting to know that uh, it could probably last a little bit longer um, with with your product versus water because it will start to boil or start to overheat at that point. It would be nice to get the car moving, have a little extra time maybe to get the car moving uh, and airflow through it. Well, that that is true, and there are situations where you could look at it that way. If you do have enough airflow at speed to, uh, to dissipate the heat out of the coolant, the coolant can work effectively. Um, so it's a definite maybe, and I would still recommend you, you call us and, and give us more detail about what you're doing and, uh, and the circumstances to make, to make a better uh, evaluation than that. Okay. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. All right, here's another one. How much more thermally efficient is Evans versus coolant mix or straight water with a surfactant like water wetter? Ooh, good word. <laughs> okay, well, we get that question a lot, too. With that word? <laughs> well, yeah. Well, straight water is still best from a heat transfer standpoint when it's liquid. Um, surfactants can improve the water's behavior by changing the boiling temperature and the wetting behavior, that is to how, how thoroughly it coats and, and gets surface contact with the, the engine parts. Uh, but when the water boils to steam, it loses heat transfer capability. You know, and that's not too far above normal operating temperature in a lot of cases. So where the Evans improves the situation is that we maintain good heat transfer under those situations where the water would start to fail. Evans becomes effectively better 
and maintaining a system at temperatures where the, where the water wouldn't. So while we, we do acknowledge that water has a better, better thermal transfer capabilities when it's liquid, it's those situations where it goes away that we become better, and that's the, uh, that's, uh, the, the benefit. Just out of curiosity, do you know what temperature water does become steam? Well, water boils at 212 degrees Fahrenheit at, sta- at sea level air pressure. Okay. Um, obviously, somewhere like Denver, where it's a mile in the air, the boiling point would be lower. At Death Valley, it'd be a little bit higher. Yeah. Um, water mixed with 50% antifreeze would boil approximately 25 degrees higher than that. And water mixed with antifreeze um, in a system that's pressurized will curtail the expansion to where the, the coolant wouldn't leave the vehicle till about 265. That's not to say it's not boiling prior to that point, but it's not boiling to failure under a typical pressurized system. Right. Evans, by contrast, boils at about 375 at normal atmospheric pressure. It doesn't require pressure to be held over it to keep it in the vehicle and keep it working. Yeah, interesting. It's a big difference. 375 right. is pretty high. Okay. All right, we have one more. Let's see if we could stump Pete, although I, I doubt it. Um, I've got a 2006 Ford F-250. Can Evans be run in a diesel engine? Does the whole system need to be purged, or will it mix with concentrate? And if yes, what are the advantages of something like Motorcraft Gold? Well, Motorcraft Gold is, is the factory coolant that they put in those trucks. Still a water-based formula. And just as in any other application, we're not looking to mix with that. We do need to bur- purge the system empty, put the Evans coolant in all by itself to replace it. It most certainly can be used in a light-duty diesel truck or a heavy-duty diesel truck, for that matter. Um, benefits are similar to an automotive application. Um, if you turn up the power on one of those trucks, which is very popular these days, you may need a bigger radiator, more airflow, and other improvements to effectively cool it. The Evans can be a good part of that mix. Yeah, excellent. Uh, well, it's good. Well, look, we're we're, uh, we're kind of running out of time here, but I appreciate you guys um, giving us a call. Thanks for everybody that submitted questions. Um, I uh, I dig it. Uh, Pete, thank you so much. And uh, as Pete said, if you guys want some more information, check out evanscoolant.com and, uh, and hit these guys up. They've got a bunch of stuff on their website that you're going to love. And uh, otherwise, just give them a call, send them an email. I'm sure they'll be happy to, to help you guys some more. All right. Okay. I would just uh, add that that phone number for tech is 888-990-2665. I do work the tech line. I'll be happy to help anybody with any questions they might have. Cool. Thanks, guys. All right. Thank you. Okay. Thanks again to Pete Stowell from Evans Coolant. And thanks to everybody that submitted their questions. We appreciate that. Uh, Thanks for listening to CarCast. Of course, check us out at CarCastShow.com. And until next time, keep the air in the spare and the bag in the wheel. For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCast Show. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit CarCastShow.com.